name is Sean Spade. I'm from uh, Central Ohio in a town called Besires. Life growing up was pretty difficult, as my father was difficult to live with. Um, with that, my mom worked a lot of hours and a lot to provide for me and my family and my sisters. After high school, I knew my life wasn't going anywhere and decided to join the military. And then about a month or so later, I met my wife, Tana, and then I shipped out and then, you know, spent four years and the military helped shape me into a man. It taught me many, many things of, of how to go about life. It gave me a lot of goals. I drive to college. It opened up a lot of doors, opened up my eyes to more than just me. When I was working on my college degree, my mom became ill. Um, so I stopped college to help take care of her. And then in the middle of 2016, she passed away. Um, I knew she was proud of me and wanted me to finish. It was at that point I decided to go back and I graduated in 2019 at Tiffin University. So you think with everything that happened in the past that um, it, would, it would have set me up for a good life, successful life. But in August 2020, I fell into a deep state of depression. Thought my wife was gonna leave me. Uh, life, my life was in shambles. It was just crumbling. We're trying to have a kid for 10 years and it was hard to realize that that probably wasn't gonna happen. It was at that point I reached out to one of my Marine Corps buddies who had went through the same kind of the same process as me with depression and he messaged if I have ever thought about going to church or ever, you know, went to church. And we talked about it for a good while and uh, it was at that point, you know, I talked to Tanner, I go, hey, you know, let's look at, you know, maybe watching something online, going and picking a church. There's a couple of churches in mind, but we, we had some friends, good friends that go to Grace. So after watching a few times online, um, we decided our first service would be Christmas Eve of 2020. The first one they played was Carol the Bells by TSO, which is one of our favorite songs during the Christmas time. Um, so that really kind of hit us and drew us and, you know, kind of made us think, wow, they, you know, this is the kind of stuff they do with this church. It's pretty cool. As, as time went on, you know, we, my heart began to soften towards Christ. I, I liked how I felt during and after service. And a crazy thing happened. A couple weeks later, we, we found out we were finally pregnant. So in March 2021, um, after everything that happened, you know, I, I knew so at that point that I was ready to give my life to Christ. I asked him to forgive me my sins, and I, and I promised him that I would follow him with my life. In the spring of 2021, I was able to join a men's ministry called Fight Club, and I was able to learn the basic disciplines of a Christian and what a Christian does. Um, I was able to read God's word, stop drinking, um, fellowship with other men. I did draw a third strike during that time, but a fellow man in the fight club was able to give me a strike. I'm not sure that man was to this day, but I thank God for you, as it allowed me to finish what I wanted to start. In May, I was able to get baptized with me and my wife together. Um, and at that moment, it made me feel complete. It made me feel part of God's family. I like music, so I was able to join tech team and pulse services like they do in on the Christmas of 2020 service we attended. Um, so if there's any mistakes on a Sunday morning, no, it's not me up there running those lights. So on September 16th, 2021, me and my wife were finally able to welcome our son, Wyatt James Spade, into this world. Um, let me tell you, it's been a year. I've still got things to work on, um, but I'm confident that I can work through them because I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Appreciate Sean. He's normally right up there in the uh, balcony, but 
Oh, there he is, him and Tana right back there. Great to see you guys. Appreciate you doing that for us, telling us your story. So great stuff. God changes lives, and he uses our church to, to help make that happen. And so thanks for all of, to all of you making it happen. Have you been enjoying Tiffin's uh, worship team up here? All right, kind of different. Yeah, good stuff. So we thought we, had, we thought we had switched worship teams this morning just to keep you all guessing on what's going on. What, you know, what happened? What happened to Tim? Where's he at? He's down in Tiffin. So just, just for this time, I'm glad that you're here. I want you to grab a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, uh, you can grab that one in the chair pocket in front of you. You can actually, if you don't own a Bible, write your name in it and take it home and that'd be your Bible. If you rather have a soft, flexible kind of a Bible, we have one of those for you as well. In that case, don't write your name in this one. Hold off on that and just use it, head back, grab the information, and, and we would happy, be happy for you to have that as a gift from us. You're going to need that in just a moment. We've been in a series talking about our vision, and our vision is basically a continuation of Christ's vision, which was to seek and save the lost. And we're in this campaign called EO3. And that just stands for everyone on three, which stands for three campuses, three goals, three years, and what our vision, what we think God wants us to do uh, during this time. And uh, if you're new at Grace, let me just throw out uh, a, a comment here. After next Sunday, we'll get back to our normal topic, sort of our normal rhythm on how we typically do Sundays. But these four Sundays, two past this Sunday and next Sunday, it's sort of internal. We've been describing it here at Grace as uh, it's kind of like the family talk at the kitchen table. And so if you're here, we, we welcome you to listen in and hear what, what we believe uh, God is leading us to do. But please don't feel, if you're new here, please do not feel that I or we want anything from you. Please kind of remove that from your mind. I'm hoping that you'll just rather hear the heart of what we're saying, try to catch that, and uh, as we study the Bible and how it applies uh, to our lives. So if, if you could do that. So here's where we're at. We, first Sunday, we uh, talked about basically um, that there are marks of a believer, and they are joy, generosity, and wanting to make things that we've done wrong right, whether that's in the past or in our current. If we've done somebody wrong, we want to make that right personally as a believer. And then last Sunday, we learned about God's generosity, that God is generous, and that we have a responsibility with what God has given us. And not only that, we are accountable and both of those came out of Jesus' teaching in Jericho as he's interacting with Zacharias and getting ready to leave for Jerusalem. And today, uh, we're talking about a biblical framework for giving. So if you're new, you know, hey, we're talking about money, you know, so that's not typically what we talk about a lot, but uh, we're talking about that today, biblical framework of giving and why giving, because the Bible teaches us to leverage our financial resources for God's kingdom. So right now I'd like you to turn to or flip in your device to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're using one of the Bibles in the chair rack in front of you, that's page 1160, I believe, 1161 right in there. And turn there and I'll set the context. This is 
Paul writing to a church in Corinth. Paul actually founded that church, so he's led some people to Christ on one of his missionary journeys. Now he's gone on beyond that, but he has written back to them the first time. That's called 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians in the Bible. And then later they interact uh, uh, some more about some problems and some issues that they're confronting. And then this 2 Corinthians is just another letter, a subsequent letter, where he's wrapping up some of this stuff. So he's talking about some things. And one of the things that he's talking about is that as, as he, he teaches us that we need to support our local church, but that every once in a while there are special needs that come up, and he's talking about a collection that he has asked them to get ready uh, for him to take to some other believers, and that's what's going on. Are you ready for 2 Corinthians 9? Ready? Yeah. All right, we're going to begin in verse 6. It says this. Now, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it's written, he scattered abroad... He gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And I'll just take a break there to explain that. Some of you see those all caps and you think now Paul is yelling this part. This is not Paul yelling. All caps in the NASB is just indicating that this is actually a quote from the Old Testament. So he's just quoting some things from the Old Testament. And now we're moving on. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift." So now, before I dive into this, I just want to point out that Paul's writing this letter to a church, and he knows most of these people. And so they have a relationship. He's led many of them to Christ. They know him. He's founded the church there. He brought the gospel. And there's some measure of a trust relationship. Paul knows them. They trust Paul. And I'm going to be doing the same thing, teaching this to our church But I understand that some people are sitting here and you haven't known me long enough or you haven't been in our church long enough to really have a trust relationship. You haven't been here long enough to trust me and you haven't been here long enough to trust Grace Community Church. I get that. I just want you to hear what the Bible teaches and I do not want you to feel at all 
like you need to engage financially at any point. This is not what we want for you. We just want you to hear and kind of follow along. And the text uh, is just teaching about our giving through the local church. And as we work through this passage that I just read, I want us to see the motivation of giving, the measure of giving, and the impact of giving. The motivation for giving, the measure for giving, and then the impact of giving. So starting that off, that generosity is good, but there are actually, and generosity is always basically good, but there are two kinds of giving that Paul is interacting here in the Bible. The first kind is when we are giving to further God's kingdom. We're giving to make a difference. We're giving to spread the gospel. We're giving to to build up the church. That's one kind of giving. But then there's another kind of giving that's just kindness. You know, the, the, the third grader comes to your door and knocks, and they're selling cookies, you know, for something. You don't need any cookies, but sometimes you buy the cookies because they're raising money for their school or their club or whatever. You know, that's just kindness. Or you hear about a group of people, maybe you don't know them, and they have suffered a flood or a hurricane or a tornado, and so you send in money to help them. That, that's good. Or you're sitting in the comfort of your home, you're watching TV, and then the sad music comes on, and you see the, the doggy commercials that are talking about these poor little dogs, and they're cold, and they're shivering, and they're hungry, and they've been left alone, they're chained up somewhere. It just seems awful. And, 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 then, and you give to that. Hey, being generous is a good thing. But this is not what Paul is talking about, that second type of giving. What Paul is talking about is the first type of giving. Giving that promotes the kingdom of God. So you just got to know that difference. Paul, when he's talking about reaping bountifully because of your generosity, he's talking about that first kind of giving. He's talking about blessings from God to those who give to advance God's kingdom. And by the way, all of us who are believers and that's not everybody in here, but all of us who are believers, we should be motivated by the gospel. We should be motivated by knowing that we're all sinners and we deserve separation from God, but God, in his great love for us, gave us this gift that we can be saved from the right fate, the just fate uh, for our sins by Christ's coming. And so we're motivated by that message. We're motivated by what God has done for us, the greatest gift in the universe. And this is a way, giving is a way, for us to show our gratitude for the gospel. And then our giving helps others to receive that same gift from God. And what is that all about? It's really summed up in that last verse, verse 15. And thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So that's the motivation gratitude to God, and wanting others to experience the same gift from God. That's our motivation. Next, the measure of giving. And this is what everybody wants to know about. How do I know how much? You know, how do I figure that out? How do I know if you're generous? How do I know if I'm being generous at all? Or specifically, how do I know how much I should give to anything? And if, it, if I want to give to the first group of things, God's stuff, well, how do I know how much and what to give there. Uh, Now, 
Some people, they avoid all this. But they, they simply, some people who are Christians, I actually heard this uh, last year from somebody. It was the first time I'd heard it much. But uh, I heard somebody say, well, I don't give, I serve. So I serve, so I don't give. You know, and thank you for your service. That's great. Everybody should serve. But make no mistake about it, all believers should be serving and giving. So I'll let you figure that out. But I'm just telling you that's what the Bible teaches God tells us to do both. So, and here's kind of the tension a little bit, is a lot of us here at Grace give 10% of our income back to the church, back to God through a local church. So some of us do this 10% thing. So actually we kind of hold that as a minimal standard. I wanna give at least 10% of my income back to God. And that is called a tithe. Tithe, the word tithe, people misuse this word all the time. Tithe just means tenth. It's a tenth. So if you tithe, that means you give a tenth of your income. And so this is a standard that first showed up in the Old Testament, but it actually predated the law. This showed up before the law. This showed up, for example, in Abraham, before, well before we ever got hundreds of years before we ever got to Moses, who took the law at Mount Sinai. But then there's another group of people in our church that they would say, hey, well, 10%, that's an Old Testament law standard, and we uh, no longer are required or obligated to that Old Testament law anymore today as a New Testament believer. And, and these are usually well-meaning people, and you know, they, sometimes they can be generous. They just they're saying, hey, we don't have to be obligated to the law. So, so what is it? Well, Christians today, <clears throat> we are free from the requirements of the law as far as us being seen as righteous before God. We're free from all that because what, what the law teaches, none of us are actually righteous before God. And so rather than follow the law and try to be righteous, the law served just to teach us we're not righteous. And the law and the sacrificial system that came with it all pointed forward to Jesus Christ coming who would fulfill the law for us in his life, death, and resurrection. So we as believers, we are not obligated to the law as far as our righteousness or our destiny is concerned. But, on the other hand, it's funny because a lot of people think, wow, the Old Testament, that was really tough stuff. The, that, even externally, that was hard to do, all the things they had to do. But in the New Testament, we are obligated really to the law of Christ, not for our salvation. Our salvation is a gift that we receive through faith. But we have an obligation to Christ to do what he said, and that was basically, in a nutshell, love God with our, all our heart, mind, soul, strength, and love others as ourselves. That's actually internally a higher standard of the law than the Old Testament, if you want to look at it that way. And so when we get to something about where, where you're talking about 10%, uh, a legalist who may or may not be a Christian or a moralist even, and a moralist, we have a lot of moralists 
in our culture, people who think they're okay with God because they do good things, and, and a lot of times they're sort of anti-Christian. That's why you see all this virtue signaling everywhere is they're trying to show everybody what good people morally they are. But they're mis- you know, that's, that's not really working for, for them or anybody else. So a moralist or legalist would say, wow, 10%. Wow, man, the church is making bank. I mean, that's crazy. That's nuts. That, that's totally unreasonable. Where most New Testament Christians, somebody who's been impacted by the gospel, they hear 10% and, and, and they go, oh, that's more than reasonable. God's given me everything. But while they understand it's reasonable, they may also be thinking, but I really can't swing that right now. You know, I really have not left myself enough margin. I've sort of boxed myself in financially that I really can't make that happen. I don't know how I could do that right now. But as a standard, that's totally reasonable. You know, that's, that's great. And because I owe God everything. But right now, that's just not worth it. And, and I say, hey, well, great, great for you. But just know that if that's, your, if that's where you're at in your life, you should work to a place financially where you don't feel boxed in so that you can be more generous, which is what God calls us all to be. So you just kind of balance that out. So in Scripture, believers are told to support their local church. And, and here's the awkwardness of doing a three-year campaign. I'll just tell you this up front because I don't think I've mentioned this yet. The awkwardness is when we talk about doing a three-year campaign and, hey, we're, we're thinking about our vision and doing this extra stuff, all this is sort of in addition to, to what we already get. So, and that's why we call it over and above your normal giving to our budget. Obviously, if you, took, if you directed the, norm, the giving that you're giving now to our budget and everybody took that and put it to this campaign, we wouldn't meet our budget and we'd have other issues and I'd be up here talking about something else, which I've never done. But that can happen, you know. So we're just saying, yeah, the awkwardness of this is we don't want people to f- that, that we're ungrateful for supporting our church already. Look what we've done. We're talking about all these stories and how God's impacted all these lives. The reason there's even a Tiffin worship team up here is because of you. That there's even a Tiffin church is because of you. You, you got to understand that. But then every few years, we're going, well, hey, can we do more? Can we be more aggressive? Yeah, we could. Here's a plan. We could do this, but it would require more margin over our budget. So anyway, if you already are supporting our church, you're supporting all of our efforts here. You've helped us launch two other campuses. We have missionaries that are being supported through our budget. Some of you have not only done all that, you've gone even further than that, that you give in addition to our orphanages. We have orphans that we uh, help and support around the world. We have two orphanages in Thailand. We also support orf- orphans through the local church in uh, the Central African Republic with pastors that we know. And so you're already, you're, you're doing that stuff. Uh, let me just let me throw something else out here. We have this this is kind of a rabbit trail. This is why my sermons are long, by the way. We have this thing called uh, Fight, not Fight Club, different thing. We have some called Dollar Club. So we have this Dollar Club, and we just started doing that where every you know, six weeks or so we say, hey, you know, there's a lot of us here. If we all gave a little bit, we can make a big impact. And most of those, although we help uh, a, a dear couple in our church 
to uh, adopt, you know, and some different things like that. Probably most of those fight club... <laughs> Can you tell what I got on my mind here? Yeah, most of those dollar club recipients were actually in Myanmar only because we have connections and boots on the ground there and there's a civil war going on and the government in the south is burning out and bombing villages in the north and this is a region of the world where it's less than 1% Christian but it just so happens that these villages in the north are higher percentage Christian. Actually, just a week and a half ago they started bombing these whole separate people which are the Kachin which are like 80% Christian but anyway, We've sent money and aid to those people who have to leave their villages and they're living in the jungle trying to eke out a living. And you guys have stepped up and sent a lot of money. So I, I say all this to get to this. So just last week, I was trying to, I just heard, and I get routinely, because I know people there, I have friends in Thailand that are working with these people. Routinely, I get stuff uh, sent to me that I can't even show you. People being blown to pieces in real time that's been taken on an iPhone. You know, stuff like that. Well, this all happened again last week, and I'm thinking, okay, well, we're in this campaign now. This is kind of an awkward time, and we had just sent some money earlier, and so I, I just contacted David Lee, and I go, there's nothing left in that dollar club, right? And he goes, no, actually, since we sent that last gift, more money has tri trickled in. I'm like, well, how much money has trickled in? He's like, oh, over $1,600, and I'm like, okay, sent that. And so immediately, like the day I heard about a specific need that we could address, because we know people that are going there already and we trust them we were able to it didn't go till Monday but we were able to wire transfer money boom to help feed these people that have just been bombed out of their villages so that's an example I just say all that I'm proud of you guys when it comes to giving I'm proud of you guys and so there's a little tension when we're talking about other stuff I wasn't supposed to say all that so I'm kind of getting behind here anyway so when special needs arise Paul's saying hey consider what to give not grudgingly, not feeling like you have to. Rather, we should determine to give what God's leading in our heart, and we should do that cheerfully. It's, it's kind of weird. So God's saying, hey, give cheerfully, voluntarily. On the flip side, God's also saying, let me challenge you to give. In the last book of the Old Testament, the book that was ringing in the ears of all the Jewish people when Jesus came and began his ministry, they hadn't heard from God since Malachi until John the Baptist who introduced Jesus. So this is what's ringing in their ears. In that book, there's this challenge from God to the people, and it's in Malachi chapter 3. Here's what he says. This is God talking to his people who keep kind of straying. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Okay, before I explain that, LORD is in all caps, again, not shouting, and this is not a quote. The only other time something's in all caps besides a quote is sometimes the word LORD is in all caps. That actually means something. When you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's actually God's personal name that we sometimes pronounce Yahweh. 
We don't actually know how to pronounce that because in ancient Hebrew, um, they didn't have vowels when they had a limited vocabulary, didn't need vowels. Everybody knew how to pronounce everything. They didn't have that many words. Then they had God's name. Then later, when their vocabulary grew, they needed vowels, and they put in vowel pointing where they wouldn't have to change anything. They'd just go in and put dots, and that made the vowel pointing. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm in another rabbit trail. But anyway, so that, those, the letters of God's name were just four consonants. We call it the tetragrammaton. And tetragrammaton is a fancy way of saying four letters. And that's four letters. And the, th- and the reason we don't know how to pronounce it is because the Jewish people knew that in the law, they couldn't take the Lord's name in vain. So for fear of taking the Lord's name in the vain, they never said God's name. They just didn't say his name at all because they didn't want to violate that command. So because of that, we, and because they didn't have vowels, and then later when they came to put in the vowel pointing, they didn't know then how that was pronounced. Because nobody used his name. Does that make sense? That's what's going on. So if you see that capital L, all four letters, that's God's personal name, how we would say Yahweh. Not sure that's pronounced correctly. It's closest as we know. If you see capital L, O-R-D, not capitalized, that's just God as he is the Lord of us. Sorry about that. All right, so God said, hey, test me on giving. Test me on giving, he said. And see... If you don't overflow with blessing. And when he says blessing, he's talking about financial blessing, but he's also talking about spiritual blessing as well. Now, please hear me on this, because this is a little different than what you hear on TV sometimes. This is not TV evangelist, prosperity gospel, health and wealth prosperity gospel, where that sounds more like Send me, hey, you people that I don't know, send me your seed money, and God is obligated to bless you financially in a short period of time. God cannot be manipulated like that. If he could be, we would all be giving to God for the exact wrong motives. We'd be using God as our investment for this earth. But Jesus is saying, store up our treasures in heaven. But... Even though I'm saying all that, God will bless you financially. That just shouldn't be your motive. The right motive is that we give to God out of gratitude, those of us who are believers, we give to God out of gratitude for his gift for us, the gospel. So on one hand, test me on this, God says. On the other hand, God says, hey, don't feel forced Don't feel pressured. Don't feel manipulated to give. And that's what we're seeing in our text. Verse 7. Each one must do just as he, that's the generic he, he or she, has purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly, oh man, yeah, here I got to write this check. This really kind of, man, there's a lot of better things I can not grudgingly or under compulsion. Where's your gift? Not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Please, here at Grace, we never intend for you to feel pressured, forced, coerced, especially manipulated. That's not how we, we work. That's just not us. Hear our heart in that. 
But we're saying, if you don't give, like I'm sure most of you do, but if you don't give at all, then you're missing some of God's blessing. So here's Pam and I. Pam and I, um, you know, we determined that we would give, like, a, a, like many of you, no different, 10% of our income. That, that We'd do at least that. And, and I can just tell you, when we made that decision years ago, that God has always blessed us, and He's blessed us in every way. Financially, yeah, but not just financially. God's blessed us spiritually too. If you want to grow closer to Christ, if you want to experience more of the goodness of God, you need to be generous. You need to follow Him in this. Test Him, trust Him in this. So you can experience that. I, it, it's not motivation. I'm, I'm just trying to tell you what happened. You, we cannot outgive God. Now, there's all kinds of tensions. The other tension, which I didn't, is that even talking about money, Jesus talked about money all the time. Read Luke. We were in Luke for a couple of Sundays, but all through Luke, it's money, money, money. Jesus is talking about money. Why? Because it affects our heart. The trouble is, what we want most for people is that they understand, comprehend, and then embrace, receive the gospel, what God's done for them, that they would convert and become a follower of Christ. And, and so there's for me, there's always this problem, if you will, that I want to teach everything in the Bible, but I don't want to have somebody who's considering Christ, and then they get turned off because I talked about money, and now we lost them before they fully understood the gospel and could embrace the gospel. So I'm always, you know, there's always an issue there. We're kind of setting that aside for these weeks, but that's why we don't talk about it maybe as much as we should even, because I don't talk about giving near as much as Jesus did when you look at his topics compared to ours. So you just, just know that. Hey, hey, let me tell you a story. So the first time I remember even thinking about giving back to God was before I was a believer when I was in third or fourth grade. We happened to be living in Navy housing in Rhode Island at the time for a short time there. And my mom, a few years earlier, had become a believer in Navy housing and some other place. And, uh, and so we were there. And at the, for this time, because this didn't always happen, but for this time, my mom was actually giving my brothers and I a buck a week for an allowance. We didn't always get allowance, but at this time, I remember specifically, we got a buck a week, man. This was great. And, uh, we, and I, I remember heading to church, and I had been in a Sunday school class, and I asked my mom, hey, when you give my allowance next time, could you give it to me in quarters? And she said, why? Four quarters instead of a paper dollar. And she said, why? Well, because in Sunday school, we can give to our Sunday school class, you know, give to church, give to God. And so I want to do that. So if you give it to me in quarters, I'll be able to do it. Well, what my mom did immediately is she raised my allowance to a buck and a quarter. Okay. By the way, Thank you, mom. I mean, that's great. That's a great mom move. And so I really appreciate it. But on the flip side, I was a little conflicted because it's like, hold it now. This feels like I'm not giving this money. It feels like my mom's giving this money. 
So it feels like I'm just walking it in for her, but this is her gift more than it is mine. You know, so I don't know if that's ever happened to you, so I'm wrestling, which is kind of interesting because when we're talking about giving with God, everything we have came from God. But that's a whole nother topic. But it's about more than the gift. We want to give it from our heart. We want to just talk to God and let him lead. You know, we didn't publish a goal, a financial goal. We didn't have one of those charts. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We just didn't go that way. Um, and, and why didn't we? Well, because we don't want to feel, people feel pressure. Oh, we're 92% to our goal. Dig deeper. You know, we didn't really want to go that route. That's not the way we do it around here. What we do is we say, hey, here are the things we want to do. We want to explain that fully and realize we can only do this with over and above giving. So if you want to help, help. If you'll let us know that by filling out a card, we'll know how to plan. You know, that's it. And then we'll do as much of that as we can. You know where we're heading. We'll try to get as much of that done as we can based on what comes in. So that's the way we do it. But think about this. What if, uh, what if there was a guy watching on, online and he was one of these you know, startup tech companies, and he's just a rich guy. And so I'm sitting in my office Tuesday morning, and this guy calls in. We don't know him. He's from another state. He says, hey, Kevin, I heard your message. I heard about your EO3 stuff. I just wrote a $2 million check and stuck it in the mail, and you should be getting that in a couple of days. How do we react to that? I mean, we'd be rejoicing, right? Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I would feel a little bit like my mom just gave me a buck 25. You know, it's kind of like, well, hold it. This is, you know, that's great, but, but if he, he or she's paying for all of it, but well, we want to we wanna give to this. So it's because it's from our heart. It, it's the way we want to show gratitude to God. It's something that we want to make you know, a sacrifice, a give up something. And so how do we measure our giving? Well, if you just want a general rule, you can start at 10%. And then when people go, whoa, that's crazy, you know, hey, I get it. If you're thinking, hey, I don't have that kind of margin, that just sounds extravagant to me. Okay, that's okay. I totally understand. Pray about it and give whatever you decide in your heart that you can give cheerfully, whether it's to our church or if you're already doing that and you want to do this EO3 thing. It's okay. Pray about it. Talk to God and give whatever you can feel good about giving as a thanksgiving to him. So here, here's the, there's no pressure in this. So you received a card, and again, we're not trying to pressure you with that. We're just saying, hey, here's a reminder. We don't intend for you to fill out the card today. We're just saying, take this card home, you know, stick it on your refrigerator. It'll just remind you to pray about it, because I know some of you guys won't pray about it, and you'll be back here Sunday going, what should we do, honey? What should we do? You know, and that's okay, too, but we're just trying to remind you, hey, think about this and pray about it. Now, on that card, there's a couple of blocks that I need to explain. So we're not even asking for your name. First of all, I just want you to notice that, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. We, we just decided not to. But on the left, those columns, that's just to help you do math. You know, if you don't have your iPhone calculator or whatever, and you kind of miss some of those classes, you just look over here, hey, okay, five bucks a week, what is that? Because we're looking, what we're looking, none of this really matters. The two blocks we're looking at is the, that three-year commitment. In that block, 
We're looking for anything that you can feel like you can give to this project that's over and above what you're giving to our current budget. And just fill that in. What you think. We're not going to hold you to this because we don't know who you are. How non-pressured could that be? (laughs) Fill that out. But there's another blank that I want you to understand. And because we haven't talked about this at all. This says February 27th. That's next Sunday commitment. And here, let me explain that. We know when we're trying to do projects like we're trying to do, and some of it involves, you know, it's spending money. Well, any money that we get up front helps us to move quicker, helps, helps us to start faster. And so any amount of money that you're saying, yeah, you know, I can help, you know, a, some, and I can help for three years, but I can actually give a bigger gift, you know, just to start us off first Sunday. That's what that is. Some may do one or the other, the three-year over time, and first Sunday, we'll, we'll give you to the second Sunday, you know, you might not be ready, but whatever, you know. Three years over time, or I'm going to try to give this up front. Some will do both. Some do one. Some do the other. Some will do nothing. That's all. I just want to explain that what it means. Hang it on your refrigerator. Think about it. Pray about it. Whatever God wants you to do. So the motive of giving, we've talked about. The measure of giving, I hope I cleared that up. I hope you get that. There's a standard, but, you know, we're not under the Old Testament law. Do, God's saying, do what comes out of your heart. And then last, the impact of giving. The impact of giving is changed lives, and we want to show another story right here. My name is Corey Young. This is my beautiful wife, Abigail Young, and my daughter, Niva. Um, we started attending Grace in January of 2020, um, so right where after Grace had opened. So I had grew up in Tiffin my whole entire life. I met Abigail in high school, so we're high school sweethearts. I went to church every Sunday with my grandpa. I did give my life to Christ um, my senior year in high school. Um, shortly after that, my grandpa had passed away and at that point is where I kind of started distancing myself from the church again. Shortly after I graduated uh, we moved to Dayton, Ohio um, and we spent the last 10 years in Dayton. Um, We decided to come back to Tiffin and we moved back in December of 2019. We wanted to find a church to call home and that's what we did. We found Grace and we just absolutely love it here. It felt familiar, but Grace has a totally different atmosphere to it. It's not your traditional church. I remember our first day coming in, seeing the greeters out the door and everybody congregating in the lobby. It was awesome, just a cool feeling. And being able to see kids run around and play, it just wasn't something that I was used to. So it felt like a family environment right when we walked in the door. We knew that this was the place that we needed to be and the place that the girls needed to to grow up in. One Sunday, I can vividly remember that Pastor Zach said, if anyone hasn't accepted Christ in their life, this would be a good time to do so. And I gave my life over to Christ at that specific time. I knew at that exact moment that is that was my calling. He put that message out there and that statement to the audience for a reason. And I don't. I feel like it was specifically directed towards me. Just seeing her kind of develop, um, you know, her relationship with God over the last couple like year, I would say, has been a great. Um, thing for me as well. Even though I've been a Christian for a long time, again, stepping away for a little bit and coming back, but now coming back with Abigail is really special as well. It's almost like I'm starting on the ground level with her again and kind of we're learning together. Studying the Bible, again, when you're in high school is one thing. 
but when you have a life now and kids and everything, professional career and everything going on, you can take different things from the Bible at any point in your life. So it's almost like relearning everything again, which is fantastic. So again, I'm glad that we're able to do it together as a family. Everybody's journey is a little bit different. And I guess even for that person that maybe faded away for a little bit, it's, it, there's never a bad time to come back. Appreciate Corey and Abigail. It's not always that easy to get up and do something like that, is it, Sean? Sometimes it's just get it all together, but we appreciate them. That's taken in the lobby of the Tiffin Church. If you're seeing that on some of these testimonies, that's what's going on. Hey, the impact changed lives. And when we talk about impact, and I'm going to close with this, but uh, really it impacts in two ways. First of all, giving impacts us, the giver. And I don't know if you caught all this, but just quickly, I'm going to run through this text. It said, you know, the givers would reap bountifully. Verse 8 said, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Verse 10 said, now he, and then later, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, and you will be enriched in everything for all liberality. And that, that's kind of a hard uh, verse to, to translate, but it says basically God's going to bless you in every way so that you can go on and bless others in every way is what he's saying. So we can be generous in every way. And then verse 13 said this, because talking about that giving, because of the proof given by this ministry, he's saying, Paul is saying there that these people are recognizing the fact that you're giving, that's proof that you're a believer, proof that you've been impacted by the gospel. And it not only impacts us, the second way is it impacts others as we continue in that same verse. It says, they'll glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality or generosity of your contribution to them and to all, while they also by prayer on your behalf yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. He's saying, hey, it will not only have an impact in our hearts, but it'll have an impact in other hearts where they will praise God. They will be thankful to you, but they will praise and glorify God. And that's exactly what we want. And there's just one more thing that I want to share before I close. Traditionally here at Grace... Um, when we do every three, four years or whatever, a capital campaign like this, what we do, and I need to tell you this up front before you make any decisions, we actually commit to giving 5 to 10% of this money away that we're using for our ministry, give it away outside of us. Usually that's to a third world countries or ministries. Usually we just adopt several pro projects during the three years where we can help somebody in a third world country. So just know that when you're giving to EO3 and we've given you this vision, just know except for 5 to 10% of that is actually going to be taken out and sent to people who don't have the resources that we have. So I just need you to kind of know that. And then he wraps all this up in verse 15, as I mentioned before, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And that is the gift of Christ and what he's done for us.